You're making one right decision today. You're listening to Handcuffs and Sage. Three badass moms bringing you all the true crime and paranormal your heart desires. I'm Red. I'm Timo. I'm Dre. And don't let your kids listen. Seriously, just don't. I just heard some weird... Hey! Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. I just heard some weird moan, growl, growl sound. I, I saw your face and it Outside. Me out. Outside. Yeah. At least it's I'm upstairs. Me. Yeah. I'm hungry. <laughs> oh, no. It was like, uh, wow. Which is so scary because of my what my story is going to be about. So it's like... <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> okay, okay. It's we're recording. Sage, you guys. How are hey. you Hey. Hey, hey, hey. This is Red. This is Timo. And this is Dre. And, and I'm standing outside Timo's uh, apartment with my stomach <laughs> growling, and she can hear me. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Can you hear some growling? Not yeah, me. I heard a growl Hi. out there. I mean, I, I live in a condo complex and it's like spread out. It's not one big building. It's like six unit buildings and there's like 50 units. It's widespread. So people walk around mm -hmm. like it's a little town and shit goes on all the time. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it someone never was sleeps. out there. Yeah. It's like yeah. Vegas over there. I know. It's so weird. For sure. It's so really I'm cute. Enjoying. I love that place. It is cute. Yeah, and everyone's like friends with each other, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, my neighbors, I'm about to lose my shit. Oh, I don't know what to do. The party. I think I've brought the oh my god. I think I've mentioned this before, but if I haven't, I'm still stuck in this place where I have these neighbors and they party all the time. And I know that sounds like I'm really super old. <laughs> but the problem is is they have this little dog. And this little dog never stops barking. Uh. And when they go out of town, I don't know what situation they've got rolling, but this little dog has like a dog door. So is it's outside mm. and it, it's like right next to our window. And we hear this barking. It's like four or five in the morning. It like never tires. It's like a baby with colic, right? It just, oh. just cries and cries and barks oh. and barks. And last night I didn't sleep at all. And I just feel like this has been going on for years. And what do I do? Right? Do I send my hubby over there and be like, hey, give her the dog? <laughs> like, I, I don't know what we do. I don't know. It's all right. Awful. So as a as a dog owner who like me and my husband both have to leave when it's not like quarantine time, I have mm -hmm. a boxer who is like the sweetest little baby. And mm -hmm. he gets really lonely. He's like super sad all the time. He can't yeah. wait for us to get home. Mm -hmm. So like we've hired like dog walkers and all this kind of shit, right? Yes, like, yes. All of it. And um, we, instead of getting like a knock on the door saying like, hey, you know, wondering what's going on with your dog. Um, I got like a nasty letter, Ooh. like a very nasty letter from the neighbor that's like not behind, like behind me and then to the right. Rude. Like, so behind, you have a really, Karen? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's Hell bad so it warned me about it and I was like okay well I don't know where you live I had no clue she just signed it I'm like who are you you know so then um I tried to find her on next door and I wrote her like this very long explanation <laughs> freaking try next door 
the drama never ends. And and so like not even like a week later, I got a notification from um, you know, the dog pound or <gasps> yeah, seeing if they got another uh, complaint noise ordinance complaint it was going to be like two hundred dollars and three hundred dollars upwards of five hundred dollars so i would have really appreciated her to just knock on the door and have oh, a freaking conversation hell. right so i say go knock on the door have a conversation they probably have a reason and if they don't then you can complain i'm sorry dre let's take a moment here are you saying that people should talk face to face and communicate and work out issue i don't know about that i don't know if we can do that i mean we'll talk about it but i i mean it's just so frustrating that's all it is been going on for years and it's frustrating we've never said anything but you know the other neighbors and us are like fed up yeah yeah and i love dogs i have Mm -hmm. two dogs i love the puppies uh this dog is driving me nuts so um yeah. that's that's my issue of the week i didn't sleep at all last night and then i worked today and um you know work blows so mm. but i'm glad that we're podcasting it always puts me in a better thing it, it totally gives me something to look forward to too so yeah mm-hmm. it's, like the, it's like our therapy it makes makes me fucking sane man <laughs> Yeah, we got to talk through the week, what's going on. I think a lot of people, I know that I do this, is I will, like, isolate myself uh, during times when I, you know, Mm -hmm, maybe mm -hmm. I'm feeling depressed or or whatever. I will then Mm -hmm. isolate myself more. So if people don't hear from me, that's when they're like, what's going on? What's Mm -hmm. up? Right? But it's really good to, to talk about your week and talk about your frustrations. And I think when we talk to you, sometimes, I, I know for me, like with my husband, uh, men are fixers, right? Mm-hmm. So they don't want to hear about anything they can't fix, right? Right. Mm-hmm. When women, we just need to listen. We just need to say it and just kind of identify and say, yeah, I get you, girl. Right. Mm-hmm. I get that. Right. Uh, so I think it's good that we do this once a week and just kind of share whatever's going on i think it's mm-hmm. good for us it's good for the yeah, soul absolutely. so before we get in, get on to our little thing you know i've been gardening a lot i've been using that as therapy so a couple of weeks ago i uh uh rock from our down the rabbit hole episodes wife who we all know uh gave me a bunch of like clippings like basically right. like stumps mm-hmm. with like succulents and i i i bit i uh, buried. I planted. Um, what did you bury? <laughs> was it a I'm on to or it? I'm on to I've been watching you too much. I'm so. Shovel show up and I'm digging. I'm digging that. Yeah. Are they exotic succulents? Unsold. So, like, nobody would ever dare. Did you guys do that meme? Yeah. <laughs> next time you bury, next time right. you bury a body, plant it underneath some exotic plants. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you can't touch these plants. Yeah. <laughs> where so I, exotic. where, yeah, where I, uh, I was going to say bury it again, where I planted, oh, like, oh. <laughs> no. where, um, this is a safe space, Timo, if yeah. you murdered someone, I'm going to totally rat you out and turn you in. It's only like, maybe like a little, it's like a little three foot, like square. So it's not even like big enough to put a body. It's just a, it's just the teeth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not big yeah. Enough. So anyways, um, 
it gets a lot of freaking sun and I have some bright ass sun on that. It just burns and my succulents are getting sunburned and that's an actual thing. Like they oh, get these like little brown no. burn spots. Yeah. I so, burned mine this week. No. I have to figure out how to put shade there. So I've been like checking all the, you know, websites, DIYing. Yes. And I'm going to try and be creative tomorrow. Oh, and my, my little lamp thingy that I made, they're all sunburned. Like, no. yeah, it's, they're not going to root. And Don't they're going to come so crashing bad? down. I know it's like breaks my heart because I, I put so much heart and soul. this week, yeah. and I feel so bad. I know. I feel terrible about it. It they turned so, all red. Yeah. So I got some dowels. I got some covering. So I'm gonna try and make like a like a shade tent kind a of thing. Little succulent yeah. home. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. We'll see. You're I'll, safe I'll, here, Yeah, I'll send you pictures, but like. I, I would just hate for them to just to die off. You know what I mean? I'm just like, yeah. But they were. I heard they, they will come back. Yeah, but mm -hmm. they have it. But they haven't rooted. That's the thing. They were clippings. So mm. oh, if they yeah, die yeah. before they root, they're gonna die. They're not gonna root mm -hmm. and and grow. So we'll see. We'll see positive vibes. Yeah, positive. Your succulents will survive. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I did buy a little, one of those little, like, stabby things that you put in your garden with, like, a sign or whatever, like, like they say. When you're burying a, a, a body, you <laughs> yeah. get one of those stabby things. Yeah. <laughs> I think everyone knows what you're saying right now, you know. Uh, wow. I got it. I got it tonight. I, I went to Hobby Lobby, and they're having this big sale. Anyways. I spent way, way too much money that I, sh I don't have, but um, it says uh, plant lady lives here or something like that. And that's totally me. <laughs> I'm, not I'm not the crazy cat lady. I'm the crazy succulent lady because literally I bought more succulents. Oh God, I, I have a problem. Oh I no. A problem. Yes. I have to Love buy it. a plant stand to put on my patio. So I, ha I have <laughs> my succulents. Oh, good Lord. So that's, that's my, yeah. out of control. But that's it's okay. cheaper than regular therapy, you guys. It's literally yes. cheaper than regular therapy. Yeah. Are you enjoying it? I am enjoying it. And it Does it hurt awesome. anyone? No. Yeah. No. I mean, all good. the people that she's burying a little bit. <laughs> right. The people she's burying, it hurts them the most. <laughs> yes. But yes. it's good for you. So yes, we support. Right. Support. Absolutely. Yay. All right. I have a... I have a quick PSA. Well, I don't think anybody knows, but I went to June Lake, had an awesome time. Anyway, Yay. so much Yay. fun. Um, I, I will do it plant. again. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the best part was that I think somebody canceled the Boulder Lodge room that we got because it wasn't there the day before. And I procrastinated as I usually do. No. And when I looked, it was like a two bedroom suite with Ooh. the kitchenette. And yeah, it was like, girl. right in my price range dude the view was phenomenal i was, was like yeah. on the floor beautiful it was so cool. pretty but my psa for today is look guys if you're sick <laughs> if you have a fever if you're coughing stay the fuck home do not oh. come to my clinic like i had a patient do and oh, lie no lie to the screeners and lie to the person checking you in and then suddenly confess to the nurse that's like two inches from your face and say, <gasps> I feel like shit mm. and I've been coughing No, and I have body aches all over. What oh, the fuck? No. Please stay home. Like this was my day and that's not okay. Oh, that's no. so shady, Dre. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> Ew. Did you like guys hear it? Stay home. 
Did you guys hear about the bubonic plague? No. What? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's Is a this thing a joke? Now. I no. Oh, oh, no. Don't you get that from rats? Yeah. Um, I don't know what you yeah. have to do to those rats, Tina. I think I think you get bit by the fleas. Is in China right now. Oh no! You yeah, know why? Art articles came out about it. You know why? Because everyone was on quarantine and the rats went nutso, and then uh, it's the fleas on the rats, and when the, and then the flea bites you, and then you get it. Uh -huh. So it, New York is next because their rats are out of control. So. That right. is true. I guess it hasn't been around for like 600 years. And it looked at the calendar. It saw, oh, 2020, everything else is going off. Let's go off. <laughs> and so I got a million articles today from different people about it, just like wow. spiking my anxiety. So oh, all day, great. like, do I have the B or do oh, I have great. the Rona? <laughs> B? Oh. Or the Rona. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I really thought it was like end of days, and I didn't know that Newport Beach had high tide or whatever that thing was. Which oh, yeah, I saw that. Of like Newport Beach, like going, <laughs> it looked like a tsunami. It was insane. Yeah, I was like, sure. Yeah. Oh, shit, it's end of days. And then they were like, nah, this happens every year. Yeah. I, I did not know that, and that makes me Amen. sad, Newport. Oh, the one, yep. one thing that Newport has to deal with is high tide. <laughs> mm -hmm. All the beautiful people. Give me a break. Right. Um, you guys, I'm super duper oh, stoked because this, this story I'm doing is insane. <laughs> oh, man. It's so crazy. Will we know of it? I, I'm not. I, I think a lot of people have heard of okay. this. Okay. Okay. Um, but do you know what I know? Oh no, no honey. Oh no, no honey. Never. <laughs> oh my gosh. And all I right. do have to say beforehand, I apologize if I'm kind of all over the place because even though I am a professional, my notes are all over the place. I wish you guys could see this chicken scratch. So, um, babies. <laughs> <laughs> y'all buckle up we're about to go on a journey we are talking about the toy box killer what, what? say what <laughs> what you guys i, I don't know what this, this one is, is bananas okay it's cool so upsetting so i do want to say again if you have uh any children in the room you need to escort them out of the room because okay. this, this ain't for play. This is for mommy, daddy time. Okay. okay. We don't talk <laughs> about a toy box killer with the kids in the room. Okay. I, I wouldn't yeah. even have my kids in the room and I'm a terrible parent and I just let them do whatever. So, <laughs> so no, this is the, ah, uh, thank you. <laughs> I know. So the toy box killer. Okay. I just, I just like can't get over that I'm doing this story. <laughs> I'm so I'm just giddy. Okay, so David Parker Ray was born November 6, 1939. He his parents were Cecil and Nettie Ray. Uh, Cecil was his father, and Cecil, I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say he was a terrible father. Okay. Mm. He was a raging alcoholic. Uh, he was violent. Um, 
we hear this a lot with serial killers about their childhood, and we do. We hear about parents being neglectful, you know, alcoholic, violent. His father would, like, visit the kids and the mom, like, every six months because he was working away. Um, I guess maybe that's a good thing that he was gone so much. But when he did take the time to stop by and say, what's up, kids? Um, he didn't leave um, a, a good father figure behind. Uh, he, he would give David uh, pornographic magazines, but not like regular porn, like oh, you no. think, like magazines under the bed, right? Like we, we grew up in the 80s. We all right. know about the under the bed magazines. We're talking about BDSM magazines oh, oh, so God. to a very young child so i wonder if that affected him i don't know we'll do a mm -hmm. deep dive into that okay so nettie finally got sick of cecil being a terrible parent and she took the kids and they moved in with her sister um and nettie was not a good mother either it said that she drank there wasn't a lot said about her but it, it just seemed like she was kind of neglectful, um, maybe some drug use, but there isn't a lot of information on her side. But they did stay with her sister, and the sister kind of took over watching the kids. Um, but she did not do a good job. And she also was very neglectful towards David. So I don't feel like David ever got a childhood or an upbring up upbringing where he felt loved cared for right mm -hmm. and the aunt would uh watch the kids and then really would watch david and when they were alone um the aunt would make david have sex with her yeah oh, lovely yes so also could this contribute to what he does in later years i'm gonna say probably yes for sure 100 yeah. percent um one of the things that she would do is she would also make him partake in like sexual fantasies with her and make him hurt her so oh. she was into like the bdsm thing mm -hmm. and you hear something talked about which is called escapism have you guys ever heard of escapism uh -uh. it's it's a thing that people say you know is bdsm related right that you um enjoy this kind of sexual play because it gives you time to kind of mentally detach from your everyday life you know oh, whatever okay. you're mm -hmm. dealing with so then you're not thinking about that you're thinking about the pain you're enduring in that moment so gotcha. it almost gives people relief i think bdsm is fine for two consenting adults i you know, have right. fun with it. Have at it. I'm going to say maybe not your nephew and incest is a no-no. Okay. Yeah. Gross. For all of those people out there <laughs> listening and disagree, don't message us. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> so in the 1950s, David and his sister Peggy uh, went and lived with their grandmother. Their grandmother uh, was not very loving or caring, isn't that nice, and was very strict and very neglectful. So again, another situation they're in where 
they're not being taken care of. Their mom is now gone, they think probably due to drugs, you know, and when they see their dad, he's getting um, all these like pornographic things thrown at him. So it's not a good situation at all. So when David had time alone, he liked to go to scrap yards and look for engines. And he was actually really good at putting engines together. He seemed to have a, a knack for this. He was very gifted in this way. Um, mm -hmm. And around this time, living with the grandma, you know, kind of spending a lot of time with himself, he started journaling. Now, I, I think journaling is really good. Um, journaling at night, kind of talking about the day or kind of what you're going through, I think can be very therapeutic. Um, David would talk about his sexual fantasies in his journal. Okay. Mm. And this started when he was 10 years old. Wow. At 10 years old, he was writing in his journal about how he would have these fantasies about raping girls with like broken... Oh, beer bottles oh. right mm -hmm. oh. yeah yes and something that he did throughout his entire life was keep journals but he would never mm -hmm. use names he would put years uh dates maybe locations but never names so that's something to remember okay so in 1956 he took his first captive it was a 15-year-old girl. We know this from the journals. Uh, the same age as David, so they're both 15. Uh, he said that they kind of went out together in the woods, and they decided to pretend um, like he was raping her because that's a fun game. <laughs> and he tied her between two trees and kind of like, played with her and he put in his journal that she really enjoyed it but who knows right it this could have uh. been a really bad situation for her we don't know and we don't know what her name is okay but oh, 15 sad. years old oh awful just awful oh. it gets worse don't worry mm -hmm. right. giving me nightmares <laughs> oh honey we have not even begun this journey okay mm -hmm. so in 1956, he had his first kidnapping. In his notes, he had a rating system, uh, one, two, and three, and one was very pretty, so she got a one. She was very pretty. Um, he had kidnapped her and kept her for a weekend in a tent out in the woods. This was a 16-year-old girl. He raped her, and they're wondering if this was actually his first murder. Um, because he was kind of new to all of this, but wanted to experiment. So they think that he, you know, would stab her and cut her, but because he was new to all of this, that maybe she bled out and was buried in New Mexico. So oh. we don't know, again, no names, which is very frustrating. Mm -hmm. So in 1956, he moved in with his other grandparents and this was in high school and he was very short for his age um he was only five six and he really got bullied and i just feel so sick about this because here he has two terrible parents terrible grandparents and his aunt you know is 
doing whatever to him. And then he has no escape at school. He's getting bullied at school. And a lot of the kids at school said he was very shy and very quiet. Uh, you know, if a girl ever tried to talk to him, his face would turn red, like almost like with embarrassment. Um, and these bullies would steal his scooter from him and they would ride it around in front of him and like hit like rocks and stuff so he could watch his scooter getting messed up and oh, he geez. would never like stick up for himself right oh. so studies have shown and i thought this was kind of interesting that rapists who murder so there there's rapists right there's people that mm -hmm. rape and then there's rapists who murder and they have um a higher chance to be seen in, you know, um, peer groups as being very lonely, quiet, shy, withdrawn. So do these things mean someone's going to grow up to be a rapist murderer? No, but that is something that they all kind of have in common that at that age, they're not seen as a threat, right? They're seen as mm -hmm. being very meek and shy, really, because they're going to explode at some point, right? Right. So, um, in 1957, David is in high school, um, and he's, he's journaling everything that's going on, and in one of the journal, uh, things that he put, it just said 1957, there's, like, no other, like, date or name, um, but he put an abduction, rape, BLM cave. So it, this was like a mining cave kind of nearby. Mm -hmm. And it was very secluded. This is a very like secret spot. So he took someone there and raped this person. And in his journal entries, it, it looks like he had an accomplice. This accomplice's name was Shirley. In the journal, it said, Shirley helped me experiment. Right? Mm. So then they're thinking, you know, did this victim survive? We don't have a name, but they look back and there was no like police report or anything like that. So they don't know if this victim survived or not, or maybe just never said anything to anyone, which is very common, right? Oh, Girls right. get mm -hmm. assaulted all the time and don't say anything. Mm -hmm. um, so then, um, it, another journal entry, it's put that there was a 20-year-old college student that they brought to the cave. Uh, Shirley helped with this kidnapping, and we're wondering if Shirley kind of has tendencies the same as David. Is she like a sadist, right? Is she like, are they mm -hmm. enjoying doing this together, right? Um, so maybe Shirley was friends with this victim. Maybe they were like drinking, maybe doing drugs. And Shirley said, look, if you're like nervous about doing any of this, let's go to this cave. It's very secluded, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then when this college student got there, they tied her up. Um, and she knew immediately she had been set up by Shirley, which is just awful, right? And then they brought out these tools. So something that we see throughout mm. David's life is he liked to make the tools that he used to torture people, which wow. is awful. Oh no. Um, so they brought out tools, needles, fish hooks. Oh God. And yeah. And they 
hold on to your butt. We're all going to get through this. Sure. That they would pierce her in her most sensitive parts with these things. Mm. Okay. Mm. And then uh, killed and buried and never identified. We don't know who this girl is. Okay. And so they wondered if they, if he was like romantically involved with Shirley, but there was nothing in the journal that said that they were like together or anything like that. Right. They're just Mm -hmm. helping each other. So who knows where this Shirley chick is and what she's doing. Terrifying. How do you, how do you even find this Shirley? Like it's hard enough for true crime people to find each other (laughs) without sounding like psychos. Yeah. How does he... How, do you, how does, like, a murderer, actually, rapist murderer, find Shirley? It's how such a good question. Like and I'm going to ask that question later on down the story, too, because it gets worse. Oh, it gets worse. Oh, God. Okay. Again, not for little kids, mommy, daddy time. So then there was a third victim. Again, all of this is from journal entries. There was a woman, and she was stranded, and she had a flat tire. And she was 17 years old. I mean, 17 is actually like a girl to me, not a woman. I'm a woman. 17 is a girl. Mm -hmm. So there was a girl. um, And Shirley and David pulled up and she was so happy to see them and needed Mm -hmm. help. She trusted them. She talked to them. And then out of nowhere, they punched her, gagged her, tied her up, and they took her to that secluded cave. Okay. We don't know what happened. Mm-mm. Later that year at a bus stop, there was an 18-year-old where they befriended her. They were talking to her. They took her hostage. They they took her back to their, their space. Apparently, there was like a table there that they had set up. Terrifying. They tied her to the table, and they tied her in a way where her legs were folded back for most of the weekend, <gasps> which sounds... Ow awful like if I sit on my leg for five minutes I'm in terrible pain yeah yeah it's just awful so then something that David practiced was called breast bondage gross Mm. this is where you cut off blood flow to your your boobs yeah yeah oh Oh, no Mm-hmm. I can see this in pictures. I can, yeah. I've like seen with a belt or, or a rope You've or something. You've seen it. <laughs> Girl, I'm not ready. <laughs> Damn. Like movies, I can visualize this in my mind in a movie. I don't know. Yeah, me, me, me too, for I sure. think. For sure. Yeah, right? Oh, yeah, we must watch the same weird. movie. <laughs> oh my God. Don't mind us. We're good. Sure we get. Talked about this no. later. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Disgusting, y'all. Great. So, um, so this woman um, was having this done to her, right? This breast bondage, mm-hmm. which sounds fucking terrible. And then Shirley pulled out all of the woman's pubic hair. What? And oh. during this, yes, she got like yes. a wax. Oh, oh my god. god! Awful. Who thinks of this shit? Like, I'm a very creative person, and I would never think of this sick shit. You know what I mean? They said that she passed out several times from the pain. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, that sounds fucking terrible. So worst mammogram ever. Oh, God. So, we know. We love you. So, he killed four women in 1957. 
he's he's in high school. He's 17 it's, and he's already yeah, killed. No. Right? Well, uh, yeah. Check yourself, David. You got, you got problems. So in 1958, he graduates high school and he moves to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and he's a mechanic. Remember how he's so good at building things like besides mm -hmm. crazy sex torture devices? Mm -hmm. um, a side note here, I did see a picture of a dildo he made. It was like this massive dildo he made out of PVC. What? And at the Yes, and at like the bottom of it had like nails sticking <gasps> out. Ew. Uh. Just wow. When you said massive, just so our our listeners <laughs> understand, she was holding her fingers in like a five inch diameter. Yeah, it's <laughs> massive. Massive. You, you can Google it. You can Google it. It's disgusting. Yeah. Um nasty. So um Around this time, he is wanting a girlfriend. Yeah, he's a catch. That's what we should do. Get into relationships. Good thinking, David. So he has his first romance with a 17-year-old girl. And after a few months, of course, they get married, April 1959. And that's something that we should remember, too. Um, I, I hear this a lot, like with serial killers, um, with domestic violence victims, that it always seems to be in, in a hurry to get married, right? They don't want you to see like who they are. Let's get married. And now you're mine, right? I, I kind of mm -hmm. think he had that going on, right? So married April 1959. And then all of a sudden after high school, remember he was five, six, he has this growth spurt and he's all of a sudden six too so he's even what? bigger and more able to uh -huh. take over women and and uh -huh. that's what we need bigger right. sure right. okay cool yeah um he joined the military and he was a mechanic in the military and he did go to korea which is terrifying because korea in the time was kind of a hot mess sorry Korea you were a hot mess and this would have been a very easy time for him to rape and torture mm -hmm. and do whatever the fuck and nobody would know right but nothing during that time was put in his journal entries hmm. so yeah but it's hard for me to believe that he was good in Korea like right <laughs> I don't think so David so in 1960 his wife had their first baby um, it was a boy, and they named him David Elvin Ray. That's what we need. Let's bring kids in the world. Mm -hmm. He's ready, right? Good mm -hmm. dad. Um, and then when he was away, the wife gave up the baby. Uh, oh. I apologize. Gave this baby up for adoption. They're saying that this the wife had a drug problem. Um, mm. And so when David returned to the U.S., he filed for divorce in 1961. He got the baby back, but then left mm -hmm. his son with his mom. Okay, good, good thinking okay. all around. Bad. Okay, all right, all, all bad. So then he was redeployed to Fort Hood, Texas. Um, and then while on leave in Albuquerque, he met another lady. That's what we need, another relationship. Uh -huh. So in 1962, he gets married again, 
And then <laughs> after three months, he's divorced again, right? Mm-hmm. He gets discharged from the army with an honorable discharge. And then he drives a cement truck for his job. And he had two victims that year that are um, unidentified, right? So we know this from the journals. We don't know who they are. In 1963, he abducted two girls, one a 22-year-old and one a 25-year-old. And this is like, he starts experimenting with like electroshock therapy, which sounds super fucking awful. Um, He would set these like clamps up to their breasts to inflict pain. And it would feel like they were like burning from the inside out. (sighs) And this would have left severe internal and external burns Mm. that not kill them. So, again, David's a sick fuck. In 1963, David was 23 years old, and so far he had 10 victims. In 1966, he met Glenda Burdine. She was 18 years old. Uh, She had a son already, Ron. And they said that she was a very quiet and meek girl. And... Here is like a 26-year-old man that she feels like, oh, you know, we can be together and he can take care of me and my son, right? Mm -hmm. And they get married. It's a shotgun wedding, uh, 1967. And they have a baby girl and they named the baby girl Glenda Jean Ray, which I thought was odd, like to name your baby your name. But whatever. Yeah. So the mom is Glenda and the baby's Glenda, but baby Glenda goes by Jesse. Okay. Hmm. We all got, okay. All right. All right. So for a short time, um, it's David, his new wife, Glenda, the baby Jesse, Glenda's son, Ron, and then. Um, his son David kind of like are all living together for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. And then a few months after uh, baby Glenda or Jesse is born, uh, he's not into married life and he goes, never mind, not into it. <laughs> so he abandons oh. the family. Oh, shit. Just kidding. Yeah, just kidding. Don't want to. I feel like that sometimes, okay? <laughs> but you don't do it. How about that? So by fall 1967, he's a drifter. He he goes from like New Mexico and Arizona. He does odd jobs. Like everyone that knows him at this time just thinks he's charismatic and he's intelligent. And people really like him, which is disgusting. Like mm. that's how I feel when I like right. you don't have that red flag. You know when you meet someone and you go, nope. Yeah. I would hope that I would do that meeting David. Nope. Mm-hmm. Yep. So in 1969, he moves back to Albuquerque and he gets back with Glenda and Glenda's like, yeah, it's all good. I remember when you left. Don't worry about it. We in love. So then oh, they got back together. Mm-hmm. Um, he became an aircraft mechanic and then he was also an instructor. So in 1970, he moved to Tulsa. He was an instructor. Um, 
And it said that he never actually lashed out at his family at all, that he was like super chill with the kids, which is interesting to me. Um, it's almost uh, Bundy-ish. Yeah, like he wasn't doing that with his kids, like getting mad or being violent, right? Because that's what so he weird. had experienced. Yeah. But he did do some fucked up shit. So we'll, we'll get to that. So in 1973, he's 33 years old, and he kills five different women. Great. That year. What's his tally up to now? We're, we're up high, like, well, almost 20 people? So, so many. That's yeah. what the number is. So okay, okay. fucking many. <laughs> um, so he tortures these women for days. Uh, one of the women that he found had an infant son with her. Mm-hmm. And in the notes, all it said was like EB10 East Side. So they like were kind of trying to figure out like where this all happened. In the notes, he put that the baby was a pain and was being a pain, but the mom was really good. Um, and they assumed that he healed both of them. Awesome. We don't have, yeah, we don't have names. So a lot of the people that he um, raped, tortured, killed were hitchhikers, drifters, sex mm-hmm. workers, right? A lot of people mm-hmm. who maybe hit, had this hard life, maybe weren't connected to their family anymore, and people weren't saying, oh, where's, you know, so-and-so, right. which is really fucking sad to me. Like, it if is. something happens to me, I hope one y'all be calling 911, okay? Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. So they moved around. Um, for you know jobs here and there it was said that he was very close with his daughter Jesse but he was very open with Jesse about all of his sexual tendencies she knew all about all the sick sick sex Uh -uh. stuff he was into great he never hid it from her and he didn't hide any of the victims from her he openly talked about it he openly showed her BDSM porn images since she was very little. So it was like not Sad. abnormal. She thought that was normal mm-hmm. shit, right? Oh my God. Like we all grew up thinking shit was normal, right? But then later yeah. on, mm-hmm. oh shit, maybe not. <laughs> so right. this yeah. is really abnormal, right? This is really mm-hmm. awful. Um, and then in 1981... I know you guys are really sad. He got divorced from Glenda. It didn't work out. No. I shocked to hear this shit. Mm. He was 41 years old. Can handle so did it? did Glenda know about any of it? I don't think so. Nobody says mm-hmm. anything like that. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1982, the year of my birth, David is Mm-mm. 42 years old. He's living in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, he had mad mechanic skills, and he hooked up with this guy, uh, Billy, and they decide to go. All of a sudden, David is making more money than he's ever made in his life, right? All of a sudden, he's got it made and now has two houses, because that's all he needs is more room to torture people. Mm-hmm. So he's got this money rolling in. What's he going to do with it? In 1983, he buys a, a second home, and it's in a town. Oh, 
The town's name is Truth or Consequences. What? Who named this fucked up town? I don't know how to tell you this. I <laughs> named the town. <laughs> so fun. So <laughs> the town's name is Truth or Consequences. It's next to this other town called Elephant Butte, but it looks like Elephant Butt. Huh. Oh, Butte, yeah. Butte? Butte, T-T-E. Yeah, Let's say Butte. So <laughs> but. these two fun towns with really fun names are like right next to each other. <laughs> and all of a sudden, David, and this is kind of bringing it back to you, Dre, is making underground connections with the BDSM community. And I always wonder how do people like this meet, right? Like right. as true crime lovers, paranormal lovers, somehow mm -hmm. we, we find each other. We hang out in the same places. We talk and do the same things. Um, I don't know. So he starts making this you know, community, these connections, and he meets uh, this lady, Joni Lee. And Joni is part of this community. She's into the same kinky, weird, fucked up shit that he is. So that's, that's nice. Um, they get married. This is his fourth marriage. <laughs> Why not? Uh, right. And they're both into the same sex scene, right? And so he likes to experiment on Joni with all the devices he makes, right? Like, Mm -hmm. It kind of made me think of Rock a little bit because Rock's always making things. <laughs> and his things are like sweet and innocent and like mm -hmm. loving. Uh, right. But David's kind of opposite in that it's giant PVC like dildos. It's different. <laughs> oh my so gosh. Different. Right. Um, I need a drink of my mango white, white claw one second. You are drinking. I didn't realize. Only when we podcast. Um, 1986, um, Jesse, the daughter of David is 19 years old and she starts taking part in sex, weird sex shit. Cause she thinks it's she normal, mm. um, which mm. is disgusting and awful and sad. Again, if it's two consenting adults have at it, get it on. Um, I don't think that was the situation here. But Jesse and David get into this huge, crazy fight in June 1986. And what does she do? She called the FBI. Oh, oh. She called oh, the FBI. No. Yeah, Jess. She said, oh, yeah. guess what my daddy did. Um, <laughs> she told the FBI everything, okay? She talked about the dildos and the breast blood thing i don't know she just kind of told him everything that's worse uh, than getting caught by dna because <laughs> yes, your family straight up went ring it a ring guess what i got the <laughs> info um in 1986 he's 46 years old and he's been killing for 30 years he had never been arrested or investigated which is insane wow. It's terrifying to think about that, right? Mm -hmm. So the FBI brings David in and they have a, a little talky talk. And David is completely honest about his BDSM love, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. He talks about how he loves this lifestyle. He loves having sex like this. He talks about he, how he makes special sex toys and sells them, like 
this underground community loves his sex shit. And um, he, he talks to them about how he can go months at a time and feel totally normal, but then it gets all built up and he's got to have like crazy BDSM torture sex or whatever. Um, but it's all fantasy. Right. So he's being very honest about things that are not illegal because it's not illegal. Right. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. And then he makes some comment to one of the, you know, FBI people that maybe I'm potentially dangerous. I don't know. But then that's it. He doesn't confess to anything. He doesn't mm -hmm. do anything else. And so this FBI investigation lasts a year and there's no concrete evidence. Okay. Of anything. Um, fun fact, not really disgusting fact. During this investigation, there are two victims, two more victims mm -hmm. while he's being investigated by the FBI. So he wow. obviously thinks he can just do whatever the fuck he doesn't, he's yeah. not ever going to get caught. Right. So one was a 25 year old sex worker. Um, and the sex worker was held for two weeks and was tortured for two weeks. Mm -hmm. One was a 15 year old hitchhiker, mm -hmm. um, tortured. And in his journal, he put that he really liked her a lot, that she was just like a Barbie doll. Gross. So mm -hmm. he did this while he's being investigated for the FBI, but the FBI, couldn't find any evidence or anything concrete on him and ended their investigation. Oh my God. That's great. Let's all take a moment for that. Okay. So Jesse makes up with her father. She's like, remember that time I called the FBI and told them you're a murderer and a rapist. Sorry. <laughs> and he's like, that's okay. I'll make you pancakes because that's what dads do. And they're like, pancakes. Okay. Um, and then Jesse starts assisting him in his crimes <gasps> again. Mm hmm Yeah. So back to this business he has. Um, it, the other business owner that they like ran this thing together that guy's name is billy ray bowers i know it's kind of confusing but uh they made a lot of money together but in 1988 billy was like i i'm kind of i want to be done right with this business like i just want to mm -hmm. be done um and then billy and david just really start fighting over everything to do with the business and it just gets messy and billy says uh to employees there that he's afraid you know for his life um and that he like tells them like on the side like if anything ever happens to me you need to call the police i've been murdered mm -hmm. um yeah and so uh, after a while, um, of them, like, you know, going back and forth, it's, it's, it's a very toxic situation. Um, Billy disappears. Oh no. Mm -hmm. And of course the employees, they contact the, the police. Good job, you guys. You did it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, the police interrogated David, but there was no body and there was no evidence. So Right. Nothing happened again. Um, he abducts two more women. Um, he ties them to beds for two weeks. And in his notes, he put shared with a friend, which what the fuck? What is that? I don't know. Mm. 
what does that even mean shared with friends disgusting um and then because he's like making all this money or whatever um he purchases a hundred thousand dollar trailer or toy box trailer here's our moment toy box and he turns this into like the most disgusting sex um dungeon i i guess so he soundproofs it um he takes like a a weight bench and he puts straps to it and puts like electrical cords to it and he puts like a mirror like up above so if someone's like laying down they see themselves being tortured there's just like sick shit like all over this thing it's just disgusting there's whips Mm -hmm. there's chains there's like you know all of the homemade dildos and shit you know that he goes crazy with um just this this thing is a disgusting dungeon it's awful so he puts this together and this is where he starts really liking to take people and do whatever the fuck he wants um so then a fisherman found a tarp at a lake and there's a lake near um elephant butte and truth and consequences and this this fisherman uh finds this tarp and there's two anchors and there's a body in it and there was a single gunshot in the back of the head but this this body has been in the water wrapped up for a really long time like horribly decomposed and they cannot identify this body Mm -hmm. um uh spoiler alert it's it's billy's body and david knows that it's billy's body but nobody else knows they can't identify this is the only body that is ever found out of all of his victims wow Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right y'all doing okay so question did he use his toy box trailer for like like his like Like rendezvous no No. i don't think so like for his like like sexual partners that were into it too or was that strictly yes no 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 like everybody everybody did shit in here there was a thing and i know this is really gross and graphic and i kind of was like going back and forth on whether to share it or not um but there was like a contraption that he made out of wood and it would like bend you over so you can't like move you're immobile and i know take a moment he would put like gravy on the person and then have like people and dogs the dogs would like go crazy on the person doing whatever he would have like dogs having sex with the person other people would come over and have sex with the person yes oh my god and this person was was into that it wasn't one of his victims. It was one of the people that were like into that. Oh, I'm like, sure from... it was one of his victims. Oh. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh. I'm yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. Terrible. So it just did really sick shit. And there was like a whole community of sick people that aren't getting consent doing sick shit. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think when you're into that, I mean, he. I'm sure he's found his little clique, right? But it, it enhances it for them. And yes. so they're all about it, you know? Yes. Yes. So in 1993, he makes an abduction tape. So what he would do is when he had someone he had abducted or kidnapped, um, he would tie them up 
and he would put them in his toy box and he would play this tape and he would watch them listen to it. And in this tape, he would tell them, and you can actually listen to this. It's like 40 oh minutes long. Um, mm. I'm not going to go word for word for it because it's disgusting. Um, he, he tells them exactly what he's going to do to them. Oh, no. Every detail. And he watches them listening to it and just mm. like cry knowing mm. that that's what Mm-mm. is about to happen. Just terrible. So he really got off on just people being tortured and in pain and he didn't give a fuck. So there was uh, two sex workers. One um, he had for four days and one he had for five days. Um, he really liked having two at a time like tied up because he would have them like in separate like maybe like wooden boxes so they didn't see each other but they could hear each other crying like Mm -hmm. listening to the tape and he really enjoyed that he said Mm -hmm. uh, you know that they there was like barbed wire bras he put on them like nipple screws what the fuck is a nipple screw I don't even want to know so he's just all over the place doing sick shit and it just kind of seems like the sky is the limit right he's just gonna do whatever it's not gonna Mm -hmm. stop so in 1994 I know this is shocking he's having marital problems with Joni Lee okay Uh, they drifted apart he said uh, mm. Joni Lee was having epilepsy attacks. She was drinking a lot. Um, at one point she held a gun to his head. She should have pulled the trigger. Um, and then they get divorced. So all done. No more Joni Lee. So David moved back to truth or consequences. Love it. <laughs> um, full time. And he applied for a job and got it. And he was then a state park employee uh, you know, with a uniform, because that's what he needed, is a uniform, you know. Mm. Yeah. Um, in 1996, on July 25th, he took Viagra, because he's now older, now it's harder, so he's taking Viagra, and uh, he gets a call from his daughter, Jessie, and Jessie says, guess what, Dad, I have a toy for you. I'm bringing over a toy for you. Uh Uh-huh. And so he got his toy box already and was super excited. And she brings over 23-year-old Kelly Cleave. Oh, we have a name. We have a name. How do Mm. we have a name? Uh Mm. Like that. Yeah. So, um... Kelly, this is just awful. Kelly and Jesse actually knew each other uh, for a while. And Kelly had gotten into a fight with her husband. And it was because, you know, she, she was telling her friends later, like, he wants to have sex all the time, right? But it hurts for her to have sex. She has, like, a tilted uterus. And it mm-hmm. makes it painful have sex you know some women have that and that can be an issue and they kind of got into a fight about this and she went out with her girlfriends to a bar and jesse was there and so they're all hanging out and you know having a good time yep kelly's all glad jesse's there everyone else leaves and jesse says i'll give you a ride home right 
oh, what a nice uh-huh. friend. So they hop onto her motorcycle and Kelly gives her directions. And then she realizes Jesse is not going the right way. And she's like, what's up? Why aren't you taking me home? And Jesse's like, well, I'm going to stop at my house real quick. I need to get some coffee to like kind of sober up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, basically, what she does is she takes Kelly, her friend, to her father's sex dungeon. Mm-hmm. Damn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Kelly is um, taken by David. He tortures her. He holds her. He tells her he's part of a satanic ritual group. Um, and because she has this, remember, tilted uterus, and it can be very painful, she's held for three days, but none of these toys that he's made, like, work on her the right way. Like, they don't go in the right way, right? Mm-hmm. because her body really wasn't made for it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. It yeah. wasn't going well for David. He was getting very fucking frustrated, okay? So then all of a sudden, uh, he sticks a needle in Kelly's arm, and then she kind of feels like the memories from the last three days are kind of like leaving her, right? Mm-hmm. And then she's, she's really out of it, and then the next thing she knows is she's pushed She's being pushed out of a vehicle and then she sees David is there and David kind of has her and he's knocking on a door and she realizes it's her door. Right. And so her husband and like his parents are there and, um, the family's like, where were you? You were out cheating on, you know, your husband or whatever. And she said, no, I wasn't. I don't know what happened. I've been out of it. And David said he had found her like walking around the lake, obviously drugged up. And the family was like, yeah, you can't stay here. You need to leave. You got to go. Oh my God. Yes. Turned her away. And so David took her by the arm and put her in his truck. And then he dropped her at a friend's house. And one of those BSM people? No. Like, one of her, like, real I... friend's houses. Because oh. she could not remember what happened. Oh, shit. She mm. felt like she had something terrible had happened, but it was, like, kind of a nightmare, and she really didn't think it was real. And if she didn't think it was real, how was she going to tell police about it if she didn't know? Right? Damn, that's crazy. You guys, side note, side note. There is a drug that they do give you during colonoscopy. It's called Versed, and it's a conscious sedation. So Mm. anything can happen to you during this time where you're under Versed. And when you wake up out of it, you feel like, what the fuck just happened? You don't realize that there was a camera up your ass. No idea. Oh, yeah, I've had it. I've had a colonoscopy. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. If he gave, gave her something like that, maybe where she just doesn't that remember totally what makes happened. Sense. That totally right? makes sense. Okay. I don't. Let's look into it later. We'll talk amongst ourselves. Okay. So I don't know, but she is the first victim to survive. Wow. Crazy, crazy. That's... So then, uh, Cindy Hendy uh, moves uh, to New Mexico. This is a new person. Um, she just had left her abusive boyfriend and Cindy 
of course, in Truth and Consequences, meets David and Jesse and becomes friends with them because these are people we want to hang out with. And then shortly after, she meets a 24-year-old guy. His name is Dennis Yancey. And they um, all kind of like start hanging out together. So it's like a foursome. So it's David, Jesse, Cindy, and Dennis. Uh, and Cindy and David start dating, right? She said she was very attracted to David, which, okay, if you say so, gross. Um, mm. And Dennis Yancey um, at the time was, you know, always getting in trouble for vandalizing things, maybe had killed someone already. Um, but all four of them hung out. It seems like a really sweet, sweet crowd to hang out with. Um, yeah. In 1997, Dennis and Cindy see the toy box. So David and Jesse, you know, bring them in, show them like all the fun they're having or whatever. And they're all into it. If I saw a sex engine, I would not be into it. But oh my God. So at one time, Dennis had dated someone named Marie B. Parker. She was a mom of two girls. She did have a, a drug problem at the time. Um, but Marie broke up with Dennis, and Dennis was pretty pissed about it and wanted to teach her a lesson. Mm. And so Marie was abducted July 25th, 1997, um, and Marie goes missing. Nobody ever sees her again. So she's locked up in the toy box. She's tortured for weeks. And then David tells Dennis, you need to kill Marie. He does. And he uh, buries her body in the middle of the desert, New Mexico somewhere. It's just fucking mm -hmm. awful. It's just terrible. Um, they all took part in the torture, right? They were all all part of this they were all complicit they were all like sick bucks so in 1998 cindy moves in with david because she thinks he's has been material apparently um <laughs> february 17th 1999 um david's 59 years old cindy is 39 years old and everyone knows him in town um and is well liked <laughs> Like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Nobody has that red flag ding ding inside them saying, no, bad people. Um, so then somebody in town that everybody knows is Angelica Montoya, and she is a, a sex worker, and she has a glass eye. Um, everyone really likes Angelica. She's very friendly, and she's actually known for making, like, baked goods. Like, she really enjoyed baking. Um, which always just makes me so sad because maybe whatever happened for her to leave, like become a sex worker, like maybe she could have had her own bakery or, mm -hmm, you know, did mm -hmm, something mm -hmm. else. Anyway, that just made me sad. So um, she wanted to make a cake for someone's birthday. And David said, hey, guess what? I have some mix at home. You should borrow it. Come on over. Oh. Uh -huh. Mm -hmm. so they went to the trailer and david pulls a knife on angelica and is told that she's going to be taken and she's now theirs and she thought it was a joke she even laughed out loud 
and this is David and Cindy doing this to her, and he punches her in the stomach, rips off her clothes, handcuffs her, holds her for two days. She's raped and tortured in the toy, toy box. Um, and then for three days in the toy box, she is electrocuted and just, just what this woman went through is just awful. This is why Angelica is a fucking badass through and through. On the fifth day of being tortured, and she felt like, I don't know how I'm going to make this. She decides to tell David that she really enjoyed her time. She had a good time. When are you going to let me go? I won't tell. And David is like, oh, she was into it. So she's not going to tell on me because she was into it. And Cindy's <laughs> like, you so dumb. You a man. She's playing you. She's going to tell. And David said, no, I'm going to let her go. So on February 21st, they cleaned up Angelica. They put some clothes on her. They let her out on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. And of course, she just immediately starts hitchhiking back because that's her life as a sex worker, which is fucking mm -hmm. terrible. And some off-duty cop, Gary Baba, Baba? I don't know. Notes are terrible. He picks her up and she tells him everything that just happened. She's like, this, 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 and this just happened. I was tortured. I was raped. All this stuff. And he doesn't believe her. Oh, right? He does mm. not believe her because she's a sex worker and she's well known. It's just fucking awful the way that they're treated. Yeah. It really is. Oh, no. So, March 20th, 1999, uh, they went to Albuquerque and Cindy V. Hill is. Um, caught so i know this is going to be kind of confusing so cindy is david's girlfriend right mm -hmm. cindy v hill is their next victim so let's call her v hill that way you can kind yeah. of keep it straight okay so she is placed in a wooden box and held in a wooden box all the way back to truth and consequences which is like 150 oh. miles that she's held yeah. in this wooden box so they get back to their home sweet home and she is strapped to a bed and they put a dog collar on her with like spikes and shit oh. and she's held for two days she is raped and tortured um on march 22nd 1999 uh david like loosens her up a little bit so she can like maybe use the bathroom I think she had like a bucket or something she used, but they loosened it up. And then David left because he had to get supplies because they were like planning like something super fun for that night with her, which is gross. Um, mm. So Cindy, the girlfriend, left V Hill um, in the other room so she could watch TV. And she looks over, V Hill looks over, and what did she see? the fucking keys oh, Cindy left what? the keys on the table and uh -huh. she's like oh shit oh shit like her adrenaline's pumping right and yeah. she's like I'm gonna see if I can reach them so she loosens her up she stretches herself out she fucking gets the oh, keys yeah bitch she gets the fucking keys she unlocks herself she still has this collar on 
And she's like, oh shit, I'm free. She fucking gets up and she starts running, right? She's naked. She has this collar on and she's just going to go for it. She runs into the main room and Cindy is standing there in front of the fucking door. And Cindy grabs a lamp and smashes it over V Hill's head. And she's like shocked, right? That she's, she's cut on her face from this lamp. Mm-hmm. V Hill grabs a fucking ice pick from the kitchen table. Yes. Oh my God. And she stabs Cindy in the back and the neck with oh, it and what? runs the fuck out. Woo! Wow. Woo! She's so what a badass today. Right? Yes. Adrenaline is pumping, 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 mm-hmm. right? Because she's naked in a dog collar and she is running. She gets to a house where they actually like hide her in the house until the police get there. Holy shit. The police wow. take David in and he had been doing this shit for 45 years and it finally came to an end. Holy, Holy shit. shit. So the FBI goes to his house, finds the toy box, finds the video camera that he takes all the video of. of oh my God. All of the shit that he did. And there's a video where there's this girl with this very unique tattoo and they put it out like, do you know this tattoo? Have you seen this tattoo? And guess who fucking sees it? Kelly Cleave. Kelly's <gasps> like, that's my tattoo. What the fuck? Oh, she realized those weren't nightmares. That shit really happened. She goes in, talks to the FBI, and they show her the fucking video. Of oh my god! I would rather not know or see. Oh. Or, you know what I mean? So she finds out she had been this victim of all this crazy shit, and then Gary, that off-duty cop remembers Angelica. Oh, I remember uh-huh. Angelica told me she had been held and tortured and raped, and I guess she wasn't lying. So they pull these three victims together. So okay. they found all of his journals from all this shit. Oh my and God. <laughs> yes. So they're going through all of them. I can't imagine reading that. That's so disgusting. I can't imagine seeing this toy box with all the shit that they did. And for sure, mm. that's a hoarder's house. For sure that they were living <laughs> in some nasty shit. Um, there was no names in the journals, which is so crazy. So mm-hmm. they are pressing Jesse and Cindy for fucking information, of course. And then they arrest Dennis. And Dennis, he immediately confesses to everything and tells them all the shit, right? Uh-huh. So there are no bodies found. There are no bodies found. And they're thinking that it's around 60 murders oh, that no. he's committed. The only one found was Billy. And he's wow. the only one killed, like, not for sexual pleasure, mm-hmm. right? right? Right. So they can't charge him with murder. <gasps> so right. there's three. God, I'm so mad. Right. There's three victims that they have. It's two years worth of trials. On September 20th, 2001, 
Um, he gets convicted of kidnapping, assault, right? All these crazy things. He gets 224 years in hmm. prison. Okay. Yeah. Jesse, his daughter, gets two and a half years. The fuck? Because he said, I'll tell you all this shit if you go easy on my fucking mm. daughter. So she got yeah, so two she and a half years. She can just do whatever the fuck. Yeah, that's, that's a good thing to do. So he gets 224 years. And then, you know, after he's convicted, they try to interrogate him for like eight months. You know, they want names. They want bodies. They want all this shit. And he never gives up anything like a dick. And then May 28th, 2002 it's the first day of his sentence he's you know sitting in the cell he's waiting for his paperwork to be processed this motherfucker has a massive heart attack and dies come on oh that's like no not fair that's correct not satisfying that is fucking correct um that's the toy box killer wow it's a really fucked up story it really is. Um, there's really sick, sick people. So let's remember some things. Uh, don't talk to strangers. Uh, don't don't hitchhike. Don't be a sex worker. Sex worker. If you can, if you are, no judgment. We love you. Um, maybe don't focus on making more. Yeah, don't join <laughs> BDSM underground communities where there's non-consent. Um, no, like, satanic rituals. Hobby. Okay. Um, okay. Don't give your kids porn. No porn. Don't have sex with your nephews. These are mm-hmm. basic things. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh basic gosh. things. But that's the toy box killer. It Damn. Just is a, it's fucking crazy that he got away with it for so long. So mm-hmm. long. So yeah. long. That, yeah. And his daughter ratted him out to the FBI. And that shit continued just... for 13 years after. Insane. There's just no justice. There's no justice in this at all. Like nope. I would, I would like want to go through. I mean, I who's gonna miss a sex worker or a homeless person or whatever, like a drifter. But there's gotta be like a handful of people who are missing there has at the to time. Be. There mm-hmm. has to be. People care about people. Yeah, you know, I care about everybody. Nice. I, I. This is a very fucked up story, but in the true crime world, it's a big one, right? It's a heavy mm-hmm. hitter. Um, this serial killer is fucking crazy. Love your kids. Don't show, show them porn or anything. You know, let's raise our kids mm-hmm. right. Less serial killers if we do. Yay. Yeah. Wow, that's mm-hmm. bananas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, now that we're, like, right, psychologically know. damaged for life. <laughs> yeah, how am I going to go to sleep after this? That's a, just, whoa. Well, we're not. <laughs> we're going to listen to a dog barking all night. I ain't <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Well, and then you're going to have my story to think about as well. Great. Hold on, I'm <laughs> opening a white claw. Hold on. Okay. All right, Timo. All right, really so. Fuck shit up. I'm going to do a cryptid. Woo! What's a cryptid? It's like. We went over this. <laughs> remember, you're like, oh, is it like <laughs> Nelly? And I'm like, Nessie? <laughs> it's not the chupacabra but um uh maybe i'll do that maybe for 
Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'll do it. There's, it's fun to say. It's a huge, uh, huge amount of information. Um, so yeah, I'll look into that, but this one, I'm not going to tell you right off the bat what I'm talking about. What I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to you about the, the town that it, it comes from and all the, the good stuff about the town. And, and then I will, uh, tell you who, who it is or what it is. Is it so, the town of truth or consequences? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Different town. Okay. It's a not different town. Game. Yeah. So, uh, this is a town called Point Pleasant. Nice, right? Pleasant. Point yeah. Pleasant. It's in I West bet Virginia. Some shit happens. Uh, West Virginia. Yeah, West mm. Virginia. Uh, it sounds amazing. <laughs> um, it's on the banks of the Ohio River. Oh, and, okay, that does sound nice. Yeah, and it's known as where uh, the town where history and rivers meet. And it's a little rural, rural community. It's a close rural, rural, rural. Um, they have a lot of close knit families. Um, it's a town where generations just stay over and over and over again. Like SCV. Yeah. Right. Like worse than that. And then, yeah. yeah. And uh, it does have the uh, National Guard armory there. So that's one of the big things that I was going to um, ask was yeah. the armory there? Yeah, it okay, is. It then. is. And then across the river is Ohio, and the town right there that's closest is called um, Gallup Police, Gallup Police, Ohio. Okay. Cool. Okay. Amazing names. Yes. Got it. So now we're going to go way back in history. Uh, October 10th of 1774. Damn. The, yeah. Long time. Right. The Mingo and the Shawnee tribes joined together to defend their land against the Virginians, uh, led by Colonel Andrew Lewis, and it became known as the Battle of Point Pleasant. Unfortunately, um, mm. the Native American tribes were forced to retreat, and mm. the victory allowed the settlers to inhabit their land. But settlers were little fuckers dude. they were yeah well we were mm -hmm. yeah that's our history uh the shawnee chief whose name was cornstalk he actually negotiated a treaty with um the virginians uh it go there's a whole bunch of history that goes behind that i'm, I'm not going to get into that but he returns three years Hold later on. can we yes. just take a moment here his name yes. was cornstalk yes if you had an indian name what would it be um i know what mine would be Red Buffalo. Hello. Have we, haven't we talked about this before? <laughs> I think we have. What our Indian names would be? No, we haven't <laughs> had this. Oh, maybe it was this your spirit deep. animal. Was your spirit animal a buffalo? No, that would be like a fox. Oh, okay. I, I don't know what I would be. Like, I, I would probably be like, um, like spirit walker. Spirit walker is a good one. Dre, what would your Indian name be? I don't know, like fucking sleeping tiger or something. <laughs> All right. So wait, wait, really fast. This is really quick. I'm so sorry. This is like really fucking funny. I have a friend who said that the way that they like, he's Native American. Okay. The way that they come up with their names is that when you're born, you know, your family looks at whatever's out there, whether it be cornstalk or like, you know, tomahawk or anything. And that's your name. 
So, <laughs> so his, his brother said, okay, so like, if you're born and your parents see two dogs fucking, are you now like, <laughs> like dog two dogs fucking? Your uh, <laughs> two dogs like so to fuck. <laughs> I don't know. How do they That's my Indian name. Yeah. Humping, <laughs> humping, humping, yeah, whatever. Yeah, humping wolf. <laughs> humping yeah. wolf. There you go. Okay, but I, I really am gonna stick to red buffalo. Okay. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Tatonka. Okay, so uh, he makes this treaty. Uh, he returns three years later to um, a diplomatic visit right there at, uh, there's a fort called Fort Randolph. They turn on him. He had brought his son with him and they uh, captured him, them, tortured them, and then killed them. Oh no. So on Cornstalk's deathbed, he cursed Point Pleasant for the next 200 years. Oh. And uh, to this day, there are mass graves of Native Americans throughout oh. the area of Point Pleasant. Oh, I hate that. Mm -hmm. um, the majority is in a place called McClintic Wildlife Management Area. Uh, we're going to talk about that later. So remember that McClintic Wildlife Management Area. So I guess in that area, there's a, a lot of mass uh, Indian burial ground there. So that might play into this a little bit, but we'll see. Because that's um, a thing, isn't it? It is. You don't go on an Indian no. burial ground. You don't fuck you around. Don't. Isn't yeah. that what happened in Poltergeist? I was it, just going to say. Yes, it did. Yeah, there was yes. a part. Yeah, it, there was. And then um, something freaky, you guys, when they built Plum Canyon and when it went through finally from Bouquet, Plum, and then down to White's, that whole yeah. area right there is said to be Indian burial ground. What? What? Yeah. The, are you kidding me? They no, do have and, very bad Wi-Fi in Plum Canyon. And once I just have to say, when I go through there, I do get the heebie-jeebies. Mm -hmm. Well, this is this is a kind of a sad story too. Um, when the road first opened that evening, it was probably like two in the morning, I think. Um, there was a guy that went to my school. Um, he rode a motorcycle and he gave a girl a ride home that night and he crashed and she she didn't make it but he did oh, but it was mm -hmm. right there in that area where they say there was you know indian burial ground so yeah right. it was it was really creepy creepy crazy uh, oh, and then i was i was talking to um a friend of mine and she said that when her parents built their house uh it was a known tribal indian american uh area and they actually had to have archaeologists come out and excavate it to see if there were any artifacts, not bodies, but artifacts. Interesting. Okay. If they had found artifacts, they were not allowed to build there. So they didn't find anything. So they were um, allowed to build. But yeah, that's, that's banana stuff. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I feel like it's kind of boss of Cornstalk to be like, fuck y'all, 200 years, curse done right i yep. think on my deathbed i would like to curse something yeah what would you curse? i'll think of something okay. i don't know let us know um, i'll, I'll get us... back to you okay it's kind of a big decision <laughs> okay so are you curious did the curse work i don't know from the 17 1800s but from 1913 to 1937 the Ohio River would always flood and it would flood all the time. And this would cause mass destruction 
deaths left and right. And they always said that that had to do with Cornstalk's curse. And Did anyone think maybe we should like move? Uh, I don't know. Maybe not live here? Yeah, I don't know. No. Do you know that show, Alaska, where like they live and they hunt in Alaska? Uh -huh. And it like looks super fucked fucking hard right uh -huh. i'm always like they know they don't have to live there <laughs> yeah they don't have to okay. but just maybe, a point i'm making yeah i don't know i don't know if we if we have a no, time we don't machine. have to live here yeah. Yeah, that is correct right right and that is also right Dre. <laughs> okay so besides the floods uh -huh. there was something more sinister on its way Ooh, oh, 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 oh. So, uh, the 1960s started a 13-month uh, crazy event period with a supernatural being, and he is known as the Mothman. Mothman! <laughs> So the very first sighting of Mothman was uh, November 12th, 1966. And this is so funny because this is happening right around the same time that your murder serial killer right? was doing I all was his stuff. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that crazy? <laughs> maybe they're yeah. the same one. Yeah, Mothman maybe, maybe. And, uh, Toy Box Killer, same person. Mm, maybe. So four men were in um, the local graveyard. They were digging a grave at dusk when a man-like creature flew low from the trees above them and then it swooped down and then it flew away and this freaked them the fuck out so they ran straight to the newspaper and they <laughs> told them their story they ran straight to the newspaper <laughs> yes straight to and, hometown station right right and yes up in here <laughs> that was the beginning <laughs> of the beginning so besides, uh, I'll start again. So West Virginia folklore, they're not new to freaky stuff. They have uh, folklore that included spook lights. Uh, we've talked about those before, uh, ghost stories. There was something in the 1950s called the Flatwoods Monster. So this Birdman creature that now people are seeing was nothing to surprise them. But um, we're going to go back to my notes here because I have tons of notes. Uh, sorry, you can hear all my crap. So I'm going to talk. Yep. I'm going to talk <laughs> about the first, this, and this happened right after the, the, the grave guys. Uh, but this is the most famous sighting of the Mothman. This is like even before the, I mean, you know, the grave diggers, but this is what made the news. This was like the big, 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 big deal. So uh, Steve and um, Mary Mallet and Roger and Linda Scarberry, they're like, you know, little cute little married couples that hung out together. One evening, they decided to go driving around in uh, Steve's 1950 Chevy Bel Air. And uh, they were driving around, uh, town and they decided to go to what the locals call the T&T area. Now, I'm just going to go back a little bit. The T&T area was a uh, power plant that uh, was in, 
it, it was operating between 1942 and 1945. It was called West Virginia or Ordinance Works. And after World War II, it was abandoned and it became a dumping ground for chemical waste. But it was also a place that the kids would like to go and like make out and like hang out and near, near the nuclear yeah. power plant. It made them feel awfully special and yes, started glowing. It did. Mm -hmm. And then it, it was given to that wildlife, the McClintic Wildlife Management Area. And they called it the TNT. So when I uh, am going to talk about that area, I'm going to just call it the, the TNT. So that was the thing to do. The, the kids just love to go on Friday nights and hang out in this area. So uh, Roger, Linda, Steve, and Mary, they decide that they're going to go past the power plant over there. So they're driving by and they see this, they're on this road and they see this man standing in the middle of the road. And as they get closer to it, they notice this thing's like seven feet tall. And it kind of has like, it's like furry or feathery. It has, and it's like a light gray color. And then- Or feathery? Linda, yeah. And then Linda said that it, it looked like it had wings, but it was like tucked under its like arms. So it looked like if we would put our hands behind our backs, that's what the wings look like. And then as they got closer to it, it actually spread out its wings and started running towards the power plant, yeah. which is not to their car, but start running like off to the left to the power plant. And as they saw him running away, he, it was like a weird run. Like it didn't look like a human running. It was like something weird. So they're, they're like, well, fuck this. They said, let's go tell the sheriff. But they're like, he's never going to believe us. He's never going to believe us. But they get in the car, they're driving to go tell the sheriff. And then all of a sudden they look up and the creature is flying behind them. So it's now it's up in the air. It's flying. Oh, hell and it's, no. <laughs> it's fucking chase, chasing their car. So <laughs> they're it like, flying. They're, run. Yeah, yeah. It's freaking, they're freaking the fuck out. Mm -hmm. uh, Steve said he was going 90 to 95 miles an hour. It never got in front of them, but it stayed as fast as they were going. If they went higher than that, it stayed right up with them. So, it, oh my God, it disappeared. So it flew off and then they're like, okay, fuck this. So they, um, turned back the other way and they start going into town and they saw it. It was, it was flying behind them again. And he said, by this time, he was going like a hundred miles an hour. He's like, fuck this, we're getting out of here. And as soon as they got to the city limits, it flew off and took away. It just flew off and disappeared. So this was like the news. It became like, you know, creature. Like they saw it was a, or something. Yeah, it was like a, uh, like a flying man creature. It was the Mothman wasn't the name given to it yet. So. This what if like, they just wanted to have some friends? <laughs> what if it was a baby left near the power plant and it grew some feathers and it's like some friends? Well, you're getting you're getting somewhere. So just hang on to that. Oh, you, you might be right. Okay. You might be right. Can we call him Gary? I think Gary <laughs> just wanted some friends. I would have been friends That's with so Gary. Funny. No judgment here, Gary. <laughs> So while this was going on, 
90 miles away from Point Pleasant, Merle Partridge and his wife were sitting in their living room watching TV. Merle, hand me the remote, Merle. And all of a sudden, there was this high-pitched sound coming from the TV, and it just got louder and louder and louder. And while this was happening, their dog was on the porch, and he's howling, and he's barking. And then all of a sudden, the TV just blew up, like the glass just came out, because, you know, it was like real glass TV oh, back then. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Those big-ass TVs, and uh -huh. your grandparent was like, now go change the channel, and he had yep. to get your fat ass up turn it that's in right that's it right torture that was our get hot yeah <laughs> stay away from the tv kids <laughs> get off the tv it's too hot already <laughs> oh yeah yeah it was like it. A, it was like a big piece of furniture those days yes so as his wife was uh, was cleaning up the broken glass he ran out to check on what what was going on with his dog and his doubt his dog took off and start running in the field by their house. And all that was out there was a small shed. And as he looked, he saw these two red lights and they were like spinning. And he's calling the dog, the dog wouldn't come back. Lights are spinning. He, he said it kind of looked like a helicopter. And, but it was really silent. And there was, there was two no, of them? <laughs> two lights just spinning around, yes. Two and red lights, okay. Two red lights. And he said, but he couldn't hear anything. So he, he said, it looks like a helicopter, but it couldn't have been a helicopter. And then it just went straight up and disappeared. So he, but he didn't think he, this was like UFO activity. That's not what they were thinking. Possibly, possibly. Okay. So he called the sheriff. Okay. He mm -hmm. reported this to the media and, and the police, and unfortunately, his his dog was was never found after that. <gasps> Yeah. He didn't mention that the dog died. Well, we, don't, we, don't, we don't know if the dog died. Maybe he just went up to, to Mars or somewhere with the aliens. You know the old <laughs> lady was saying, Merle, where's the dog? I know. I know. Aww. Okay. So the next story is in, um, okay, so now after the, the two couples, all this shit went down, uh, it was out of control. People were grabbing their guns. They were going over to the power plant and they were just hunting for this creature. And there was just miles and miles and miles of cars lining up to get to where this TNT place was. The National Guard had to step in and uh, they basically had to disperse everybody and make them go away. So by, uh, this is still in November of 1966, there is a man by the name of Woodrow Derenberger. Okay, so this is always related to the Mothman, but I'm going to take this into a totally diff different direction here. Uh, I know, Red, you're going to love it. So Woodrow was driving on Highway 77 in Parkersburg, West Virginia, when he saw a bright light in the road ahead of him. And what he saw was a metallic cigar-shaped craft that actually landed on the road right in front of him. Oh shit, seriously? Yes. A being got out of the craft and walked up to his truck. He said it looked like a man, normal looking man. He's about six feet tall, about 35 years old. He had it wasn't an hair. alien? No, looked like a man. Uh, he had dark brown hair, but he did what have like some type of metallic-y blue coat. And he spoke to him, but he spoke to him telepathically. He did not 
uh, opened his mouth when he talked to him, and he told him he that he's human. He looked yes, human. Exactly human. He like, was probably yes. imitating a human's body. Mm. You know, like wearing an Earl suit. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever heard this name before, Red, but uh, he said my name is Indrid Cold. Have you ever heard that name before? I N D R I D and then Cold, C O L D. No, but I'll look it up. And I would like to request you to please call me by Red Buffalo. I mean, okay. we went over this. That is my name now. Okay. Please respect. Okay, thank you. Uh, Indrid Cold, I've never heard of that. This is really interesting to me because I've actually never heard of a human form. Okay, well. I've never heard of that. It's quite a few of these in the same form. So he said, I want to talk. The conversation took about 10 minutes. He said, I want to talk to you. I just want to let you know that we, we eat like you. We breathe like you. We sleep like you. We bleed like you. And he turned around, went back to the craft. But before he flew away, he said, we will see you again. <gasps> Did he say in 2020? <laughs> Possibly July. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I've never. I'm seriously tripping. I've never heard of this uh, encounter ever. But this is weird because um, it says this. This became the most fascinating UFO, UFO story to this day. Look, so I, I love aliens. I love. I know there's a few aliens. others. Yeah, me and you would agree that there's a few others that are probably more fascinating than this. But if you want to do a deep dive in and let us know what you what you think about, I am this. seriously. Yeah. I'm not even kidding. This is okay. like crazy. Okay. So we eat like you. We breathe like you. Okay. Yeah. So he <laughs> when he goes straight to the media and he tells the media about what what was happening. But at the same time across the river in Gallipolis, a woman sees a bright flash um, of light outside. Um, she, I don't know where she's at because this information wasn't very uh, descriptive, but it lands in a parking lot from where she is. And she said two men got out and they were dressed and look, they were dressed like humans. They looked like humans. There, there was nothing weird about them except for that they got out of this craft. They walked up to her. They asked her a series of questions using a strange dialect. They turned around, got in their craft, and they left. Okay, so she could not understand this was a different language. Right, right. They just kept on talking to her in this weird dialect. Wow, this is tripping me out. And then right after that, uh, along the same highway that Woodrow Derenberger was on. The were, Highway 77? Yes, there were two men that were driving on the highway. Um, they came across a man in the road and he, was, he looked human, he was dressed human, but he just stood there smiling at, at, at them and they, they described him as the grinning man. Grinning man? Yeah. So basically, this happened on a nightly basis. Not the people, not the aliens, but there were so many UFO sightings up and down the Ohio River during this period. It just what? became like a common thing that was happening. Is this something they covered on the new Unsolved Mysteries? No. Okay. Totally different area, but but I am yeah, seriously that, like yeah. 
I like that story too. I've never too. heard of this. I, I'd never wow. heard of both those stories. Okay. Yes. So now I'm going to take you to a reporter for the Huntington Herald. His name is Dave Payton. And he said, basically from Point Pleasant to Charleston, there were so many mass sightings of UFOs that they had to have a special assignment desk just for the calls that would come in on an hourly basis reporting all of these UFO sightings. So this is happening in that 13 month period with the Mothman. So this is all happening at the same time. So now we're gonna go back to the Mothman stuff. Marcella Bennett, Raymond Wellesley, um, who was her brother and his wife, Kathy, they went to the TNT area. And on the way, they actually saw a UFO in the sky. So they were like, whoa, that's trip." You now they didn't really know what it was. They're like, oh yeah, it looks like a UFO, like joking around and whatever. So on their way, they, uh, they went home. They had to go pick up her. She had a three-year-old daughter. The, the, her sister was babysitting. They went to her house. And as she was putting her child into the car, she looked to the side of her and she saw a tall gray figure that had huge wings and it basically jumped at her so she turned around she started running with her child back to her sister's house she fell you know how that always happens in the, yes. In the horror movies yes 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 her brother well, in real came, life also <laughs> yeah that would totally happen to me. <laughs> Her brother yeah. picked her up behind her. They ran <sighs> into the house just in time for it to, bam, hit on the door. Oh. And then it started hitting back on the door like three or four times, and then it left. So it was like trying its hardest to get in. Oh, I wonder what Gary needed. I don't know. Maybe Gary. he was at a, like, uh, ketchup or something. <laughs> borrowing some sugar. Yeah, he wanted some sugar from the neighbor. Yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> Gary's misunderstood. I feel it. Well, uh, I, I won't, I don't know the lady's name, but I'll tell you her name in a minute. And she, I think she feels the same way you do, Red Buffalo. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. So Bob Bosworth, this is all still in November, 1966. He was driving around. This is with a his buddy. lot. I know. This is all happening within like a few weeks of, of each other. So him and his buddy were riding motorcycles down the same area. And he said the moon was so bright that he decided to turn their headlights off and just kind of like, you know, drive through the moonlight and enjoy everything. And they decided to go off and turn off to where the power plant was. So as they pulled up to the power plant, they looked up on the roof and they saw this man-like figure and it had two red glowing eyes. Now, that's, I forgot to tell you guys about the other sightings, but that was one of the things that they would see as well is the, like, the red glowing eyes. Mm -hmm. So they stood there and they're like, oh, what the fuck is that? So they mm -hmm. decided to go investigate. So they went into the building and the moon was so bright. It was like shining in all the, you know, it's just like a, uh, empty building like a brick building but with like open you know holes where the windows used to be and the moonlight was coming in so there was dark spots and light spots and they saw this creature and it walked towards them but it stayed in the dark it wouldn't get into the Aww. light area it would stay in the dark 
and it had a it, they said that it almost looked like it didn't have a neck so it was like this huge head and a huge body and the red eyes were like almost like on its like chest area and they just stood there looking at it and all of a sudden it turned around and walked away and they they didn't hear it after that point and then all of a sudden they heard like the swish of wings and then it disappeared interesting mm -hmm. it didn't attack them mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. gary didn't say anything to them no weird uh, he, he didn't want to be seen i guess at that point so he hid in the shadows so we're looking it's it's uh, november 18th now and now it's all over the papers i mean not only in west virginia and ohio but it's like news everywhere and well then you have to wonder like about people hearing from each other or reading something mm -hmm. and then maybe creating their own stories right you always have to take that into account and there were so yeah. many that i was like wondering like wow there's so many stories because i'm not telling you all the stories of all the sightings there was mm -hmm. so many of them um and but they were from like prominent people like firefighters and cops and like military and like all walks of life were seeing these you know so you were kind of like well maybe they're like joining in and whatever but so it became like hysteria mothman 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 so faye dewitt laporte three of her brothers and her sister uh were driving one night and they turned off a main road and the brother decides to look oh she and her brother are in the front seat he looks at her and he's given her this like weird face and she's like what and he's like don't look now but there's something outside your window now they're driving okay they're on this road and they're they're still driving 55 60 miles an hour that that would scare me yeah she turns and looks and she sees this fucking mothman flying she didn't know if it was running or flying exactly next to her window and she could see the bright red eyes right and as he sped up it sped up it just stayed with the car it if he slowed down it slowed down so he's like okay i'm gonna fucking lose this thing so he decides to make a sharp left turn trying to lose it it turned right along with them and kept on going so then he turned again and stopped dead stop and it disappeared and all of a sudden it fucking jumps on the hood of their <gasps> car oh. squats <gasps> and is just looking back and forth from him to his to her brother him to her brother just looking back and forth the the, the poor little brothers and sisters are in the back seat crying and screaming they're like be quiet they're like get down on the floor get down on the floor next thing i they know it jumped off their car and flew to the power plant and it's on the top floor of the building so what are what does this fucking brother decide he's gonna do well he's gonna get out of the car and he's gonna start oh, throwing he's gonna start throwing rocks at it right no so she's Why? screaming she's screaming at him like get back in the car let's go let's go let's go so he's throwing throwing the rocks at this thing and he's like saying shoo 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 it stood up and he's like get in the car lock the doors get in the car mm. and as soon as they got in the car they said it opened up its huge wings and it just flew away into the night and they never saw it again i feel like gary's my soulmate <laughs> <laughs> 
This reminds me of Jeepers Creepers so much. Yes, yes, it does. Ugh. Yes, it does. Okay, so a few little sightings, November 20th. There's two different sightings. Howard Miller um, was driving along and he saw this huge bird-like creature with red eyes. Um, it flew and then it landed on a bus shelter. And then at that same time, a couple were driving down the road and they said they saw a large bird-like creature and it was chasing them as they drove, but then it flew off. And then in, on November 21st, Richard um, West actually reported it as a Batman because he thought it looked like a bat. And he said it had an eight foot wingspan and he, he saw it sitting on his neighbor's roof and it had the red eyes. And he said it opened its wings up, but it didn't start flapping. It just went straight up in the air and disappeared. And that's what a lot of other sightings said too. It really didn't use its wings to fly away, but it would just go straight up, like like Superman would go straight up. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So the power plant, right? We're all in on this together. Yeah. The power so, plant. Well, let me tell you, uh, Gary. Okay. So a, a biologist came to kind of like calm the masses about because this was like getting out of control, and mm -hmm. he said that it was what he thought it was was a sandhill crane now sandhill cranes are like really huge um right like birds, that's true but they're white yeah but birds don't look like men also right they're white though so that was kind of like mm. but he's saying that possibly it might have drank from the power plant water okay. or there was All water right. around there and it kind of uh genetically mutated into what we think now was the mothman so that's one Instead theory of dying. right that's so <laughs> right. crazy man and then they're Very also saying, yeah they're also saying that it might be just a huge owl because um owls their eyes reflect in the light they turn red that's true so mm -hmm. they're saying okay maybe but you know these things are like huge and flying like 100 miles per hour so that's yeah, like mm -hmm. yeah so this one is a freaky story so lawrence gray um, and his wife, they were, they were married couple. They were both about 19 years old. They went to bed and he said that he, on his side, uh, was a window. So he was laying on his side. He was looking out the window. He couldn't go to sleep. He kind of saw like a street light. There are bugs flying around and he saw a car go drive by. And then he decided to turn around on to his right side. And as he turned, um, he said that there was this tall man standing at the foot of his bed what? and he said what he thought it was the devil he couldn't talk he couldn't move he basically had sleep paralysis at this point and this is creepy he said it was it had a gray robe like jacket on that had seams down the arms it had red eyes. Uh, it seemed like the the arm the hands were really really long because he said he couldn't see its hands. It was below the bed, you know, the, the level of the bed, and all he felt was like it was an evil presence. So he prayed and he prayed, and it slowly just dissipated away. And he's seventy four years old when he's giving this interview, and he says he re remembers it like it was yesterday. 
So uh, I don't know what that was. I don't know if that was this um, Indrid cold person or if this was the Mothman. But yeah, this guy was like. Interesting. Yeah. So now uh, I'm going to come into a really, really, really sad story. Uh, they say that when you have a Mothman sighting, uh, something um, bad is going to happen. It's like kind of like oh. a, a, like an omen. Um, something bad's going to happen. So it was in December of 1967. So it's about nine, ten days before Christmas time. Um, this was on December 16th, um, around 5 p.m. So there was a uh, between. West Virginia, Point Pleasant, and Gallup Police, there is a bridge that stretches across the river, and it's called the Silver Bridge. Um, the light on the bridge that would control the traffic was out. So basically, at this time, uh, it was rush hour. People were out Christmas shopping. There was a traffic jam on the bridge and it was about 40 years old and the bridge collapsed <sighs> it sent all these cars into the river oh my god that's awful but it was kind of like a suspended um bridge kind of like the the golden gate so one side snapped and it swung to the left and the cars on one side flew in oh my god and then it flung to the other side and those cars so there were cars and bridge and everything just piling on top mm, of each other that's awful that's so awful there were 31 cars that fell into the river <gasps> um there was cars and christmas gifts floating up and down the oh, river that's the saddest shit i've ever heard I'm, i just I, the toy box <laughs> i know there i know <laughs> There were 46 people that died, uh, nine people were injured, and two were missing and never found. Uh, there was a claim that they saw the Mothman on the bridge that day earlier before this happened, and there is a picture of it, and it's creepy. It is. They're blaming the Mothman for this yes, shit? Yes, because, yeah, so, well, You're no. Not structural damage. It, it was structural damage. There was, it was structural and because all the cars and the weight and it was 40 years old it was built oh. like in 1928 or whatever but mm -hmm. they say that the mothman was there so they say whenever he's seen there's probably something bad that's going to happen bad. okay right insurance right. doesn't okay. cover mothman shit okay <laughs> no 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 it doesn't <laughs> so i'm gonna find this um so you know the the couple the two couples um that lady uh she said that she actually saw her name was linda scarberry she said she saw the mothman about another 13 times in her in her lifetime throughout the years that's a lot that's a that's lot, a lot. yeah yeah and she actually said that one night she was sitting in her home she looked out her window and sensed something was looking at her and it was the mothman and she sensed a sadness along with curiosity from him. So mm. I don't know, Gary, you, you might be right. Gary might be kind of like. Um, he just needs a hug, maybe yeah. a nice Christmas with 
family. I don't know. <laughs> she was like the Lois Lane to her Superman, mm -hmm. Mothman. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to love this part. So there is a newspaper lady. Her name is Mary. And there was a man that came from New York. He's a writer. They joined forces and they started doing a lot of investigating, right? She had a column in the paper where if you wanted information about the Mothman, she would tell you. And this guy's name, his name is John Keel. And he actually writes a book and it's called The Mothman Prophecies. Hang on to that. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm going to come back I've to heard that. Of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, he felt like he was being followed. And guess who was following him? His mom. Was it her? The men in black. What? Oh shit! Yes, and then oh, many happening. Yes, and then many of the people that had sightings actually were followed by a black car by two men <gasps> in the car, and even some of them got came to their house and wanted to ask them questions. And one lady went to a mailbox, and the car pulled up, and they tried to pull her into the car and take her. <gasps> so, I love all things uh, men in black. I know. Yay! I knew you would. I, I knew you would. So yeah, that's another little crazy side note about. Dang, this is, this this is fully loaded. Giddy, giddy, giddy. So after the bridge collapse, the Mothman kind of went away. Like there were no more stories about the Mothman. There were still sightings. Like enough. Yeah, yeah there no were sightings here and there, but uh, it wasn't like crazy like it was and there was a, a ton of sightings like aliens mothman all in november which is crazy like what okay. caused that to happen between november and december um well the the bridge collapsed exactly a year later so that collapsed okay. in 1967 so it was like almost a year it was 13 months of just craziness mothman men in black ufos men you know human looking aliens are there so, books written about this? I would love to, um, to read something about it. All over. The documentary that I got this from is on YouTube. And What's it, it called? It's called The Mothman. Uh, I'll, I'll send it to you because there's so many and th some of them aren't really good, but th this one was really good. So I will, um, I'll send it to you. So in 2002, they decided to make the Mothman prophecies that were written by John um, Keel into a movie. And it starred Richard Gere, Laura Linney, we love her, yes, and, and, and Deborah Messing. Mm. And, okay, I watched this. Now, I'm going to warn you, it's a great movie, but it's not a horror movie. You do not really see the Mothman, so it's not like a, you know, like a foo-foo horror movie. Right. With like this monster. It's very uh, psychological. Um, hence prophecies. So they, Keel takes the whole story of his uh, investigations and his experiences because he'd seen the Mothman many times when he was there in town. He basically wrote the book of like, if you see the Mothman, what happens after that? Like, like why is he a bad omen? What happens? It's a crazy, bizarro movie. It was very, very entertaining. I liked it. It was great. Um, so before, you know, right around when that movie came out, uh, two Point Pleasant residents, uh, res residents uh, Jeff 
Wellmsley and Caroline Harris. They start the Mothman Festival, and it's the largest festival in West Virginia. It happens every September. Um, anywhere from 10,000 to 12,000 people oh flock, my in, gosh. flock into this little bitty town. And then in uh, 2003, a metal statue was erected of Mothman. And wow. <laughs> it is a 12 foot metallic metal stainless steel. It was, uh, it was made by the area artist, Bob Roach. And he actually wanted the light, the eyes to light up red, but I guess there was a funding issue, so he couldn't do that. But the Mothman statue is, is pretty cool. I'll put that on all the sites as well. And then in 2005, the Mothman Museum opened up, and that's a cool little place to go to. I mean, t-shirts and all kinds of fun stuff that, uh, you know, that you can um, buy or whatever. So for over um, that 13-month period, over a hundred reporting reported sightings of the Mothman happened. There was so much info, so much descriptions. I, I just couldn't do them all. Um, going away from Point Pleasant in West Virginia, two weeks before the Chernobyl explosion, uh, there was a uh, Mothman sighting over the power plant in Chernobyl. Then in Minnesota, there was a bridge collapse on the I-35 where 13 people were killed. There was a Mothman sighting uh, around that bridge as well. And this is the, the stuff that's going to really, really uh, bring uh, happiness to Red Buffalo. Some people <laughs> may think that he is not a bad omen, but maybe he is uh, a warning. Because in yes. Freiburg, Germany, uh, in uh, September 10th of 1978, miners went down into a mine. They came face to face with the Mothman. They uh, said, fuck this. And they all ran out of the mine, barely making it. It collapsed. And all of those men would have been killed instantly oh if they my stayed God. in the mine. So they call him the Freiburg Shrieker, and they take him as a, a warning. So if you see him, wow. they think that he's going to protect you. I feel like Gary means well. Yes. Right. <laughs> so there's been sightings, even up until this day. But in 2017, 55 people reported seeing him flying over Chicago. So they have been sitting waiting for something bad No, that happen. was like a, that was <laughs> a plane. <laughs> They're so confused. Yeah. yeah seeing so, shit. And so also today on the Ohio side in Gallipolis, there is a, a Silver Bridge uh, Memorial. It is a, a plaque um, with all the names of the people that passed away. There is an I-bar, um, which is part of the bridge that's similar to the one that was fractured that made the bridge collapse. And um, it's just like a little cute little area where they say if you're ever in the area, visit Mothman, but also go and and see the the memorial and just you know, you know, res mm -hmm. give that you give your respects to all the people that mm -hmm. that lost their lives that day. So, right there you go. There's the Mothman. Yay! Uh, Good Damn. story. Yeah, I, I might. I will. Hundred percent be having some nightmares. Yeah. Well. <laughs> 
I just love it because whenever there was a Mothman sighting, there was a UFO sighting. So people, yeah. like, some of the people are like, this is something that's not of this world. So it's kind of weird. Like it's such a weird, bizarro story and so many mm -hmm. different aspects that it can go to, but this, um, okay. So that Indrid cold person comes into mm -hmm. the Mothman prophecy movie. There is a mm -hmm. part, they talk a lot about this dude. So you'll like it. You'll like it when you see the movie. Okay. I, I'd watch it. I gotta see it. It's kind of slow, kind of, and it's kind of like you have to sit That's there and okay. really intensely like pay attention to it. But it's, I like movies like that, that make me think and make me I wonder and, mm -hmm. and use my brain. And um, it's great. It's, it's, it's really, it's not what I expected, which is good. I expected some stupid like monster movie, you know, like it chasing people and making you know people scared. And it was nothing like that, but it was, it was great. It was great. And you know, Richard Gere was young and hot back in the day. So you know, he was good. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Richard it's like around I his um, pretty woman days, you know, it's like around his pretty woman oh. days. So, yeah. 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 Um, where I, can we watch the Mothman prophecies? I watched it on um, Amazon Prime. Okay. Um, I had to rent it for three dollars and ninety nine cents for the HD version, or you can watch it for two ninety nine for the SD version. But totally worth it. All right. Totally Good worth to the four bucks. Yeah. Awesome. I really enjoyed that. I'm Yay, gonna, good, I'm I'm gonna look into this uh, injured coal. I'm very yeah. interested in this. I'm, yes. After I edit tonight, um, I will send you a bunch of links to the stuff that I that I found. Send because, me some links. Yeah, I will. I'll send it on our little groupie chat. Cool. <gasps> it's right. time. It's time. Ready? I'm ready. Badass Badass story of the, of the week. week. Woo -hoo. Woo. What you got for All us, right, Ray? All right, so it's a little bit on the longer side for me, um, but it's really good. It actually made me kind of tear up, which is hard oh, to great. do. Um, just because I think because of where I come from, it really kind of hit home for me. Um, so I'm going to name these two guys because I don't want them to get lost in the story. Um, Oscar Gonzalez and a friend, Victor Dominguez. Okay, they were okay. hosting a Father's Day barbecue for their families. Um, they saw the ice cream cart guy, the paletero. Mm. They saw him pushing his cart on Father's mm -hmm. Day. This old 70-year-old guy um, by the name of Rosario Del Riel was working very hard. Um, remember now, he's 70 years old. It's Father's Day. He mm. is a father, and he's working his ass off. So these two guys saw him and decided to invite him to the barbecue to Aww. visit with their family. And, you know, he, he's not used to taking a day off. He's used to working and um, providing for his family. He came here. Um, so he came here in 1969, and then he became a citizen in 1979. He um, remembers his family being so poor that his only wish was for them to be able to eat a full meal every day. So he worked hard. Um, oh, my heart. He picked, I know. He picked produce in California for many years. Um, he worked on ranches and factories in Texas and Oregon. And then he finally settled in Chicago. And he bought a home. He raised three children with his wife. And they were able to pay off their house in 2015. Wow. Just because all is said and done and he could technically retire, he kept working. 
Oh my God. So these guys are like, what's up? You know, what's going on? And he said, you know, I, I just, I'm not used to not working. Um, he used to be a carpenter and he had an accident. He actually, there's a video online where he shows the, um, the news reporter, his two fingers that he had like a really bad accident mm. as a carpenter. My father-in-law is a carpenter and, mm. um, it, ha it could happen. You know, my, my grandfather was a butcher and he chopped off a whole finger, you know? <gasps> yeah. Yeah. But it, he, he just kept working, you know, you don't stop just because you have an injury. Wow. So, I mean, not that day, but <laughs> right, right. So, um, to top it all off, you know, the guys decided that they wanted him to enjoy father's day. So they purchased every single ice cream out of his cart Aww. that day. Oh my God. I love that. So <laughs> That's so cool. They, they're amazing guys. It. They weren't done there. Okay. They started up a GoFundMe and he got $62,000. Oh, <gasps> wow. No. Yeah. There are good people in the world. There's there so are many good people good in the world. Bad yeah. asses. So, Yes. There's there's actually a small movement starting because this just happened in on Father's Day and I've seen at least two hashtags like buy the whole cart. Um, there's an MMA fighter that's promoting the buy the whole cart thing, huh. um, and they're just saying buy if you can, the whole cart. yeah, if you can promote it, help them. I don't know if you guys remember like a couple years ago there was um, another Palitero that was like harassed and they they like broke his cart and they beat him up and stuff oh yeah and yeah that was horrible so we gotta you know they're hard-working men they're not begging for money on the streets you know they're working their asses off yeah he's a citizen he just was a carpenter that got injured and didn't want to like mooch off the economy right so kudos to victor yes oscar um Take you guys are badasses I'm so excited. Um, something that was like really got to me too, again, as from coming from the Hispanic culture was he said that one day he plans to return to Zacatecas where he came from. And when he gets there, the first item on his agenda is to visit the shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe mm. to thank God for this blessing that he received. Oh awesome. my gosh. Yay. That's a story of the week. That's yeah. two badasses. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Good job, yeah. Dre. I got all the Thank videos. You. I got goosebumps. Ooh, yeah, you guys got to see the video. I mean, it's okay. he speaks in Spanish, but the video is like made me cry. Okay. Oh, awesome. I don't speak Spanish. Oh, oh. thank you. <laughs> oh, sorry. I love it. You're welcome. It's a good reminder that we can all help, and you never know when someone needs help. Yeah, yeah you just sure. need to mm -hmm. start that conversation. You know, mm -hmm. dig a little deeper with people. Absolutely, yep. 100%. Good job, Dre. Good job, Timo. Hey, thanks. You guys yeah. did so great. Cool. <laughs> All right. So are you doing homework or something? I'm sending, I'm actually sending you guys a, a text while, um, oh, okay. I was like, while we're talking. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, well, everyone can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We have a website. I think it's called Handcuffs and Sage Podcast. Podcast. Uh -huh. <laughs> right. You can uh, email us at handcuffsandsage at gmail.com. You can check out our Patreon page. And 
I actually have a surprise coming this week for Timo and Dre, and I can't wait for it to oh, come here. So I can okay. give it to you. Oh, it's so exciting. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. I'll drop it by this week. Ooh. Oh, okay. Let me know. Oh. I, have, I have I have something for you too when you swing by. Um for oh, okay. um it's actually from from miss amy's husband but you know what it is at it i know what it is is it yeah no you'll i'm, I'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna spoil the surprise but you'll be excited okay, um, don't spoil it um shoot what was i gonna say um oh well i forgot what i was gonna say isn't that unusual <laughs> <laughs> so i yeah are you guys ready I am ready. ready. All right. Remember, we, we do, do what, what we, we want. want. And you should too, right? Everyone right. Does. Yes, All for right. sure. For sure. Have a great Woo. week. Okay. Woo. Good night, guys. Love ya. Bye. Bye. Handcuffs and Sage is hosted by Red, Timo, and Dre in a shitty guest room in Los Angeles. Theme music is Leave Now by We Are Wasted. Cover art done by Megan Winchester. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Show some love on iTunes. Be a badass and do what you want. Until next time.